Room for Two, Episode 4, Everyone Walk the Dinosaur. Hey everybody, welcome to Shroom for Two, the Plants vs. Zombies Heroes podcast where we're talking about set three. I'm Taylor. And I'm Mike. Woo, set three. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to finally see it. I've been ignoring the spoilers, and uh, it's cool to see the cards for real. Yeah, yeah. It, it's really nice to be mad at a whole different set of cards for kicking my ass instead of being <laughs> standards. Yeah, there's definitely some pretty busted stuff to talk about here. We've got a whole long list of stuff to say, but first I think we're going to start with some listener mail. Uh, we got two pieces of listener's mail this week, so if that trend is any indication... Uh, about a year from now, we'll be spending the entire episode on it. First, listener Jacob asks, what sneaky hero we think would pull off the best Conjure deck? What do you think about that, Mike? Well, a Conjure deck, I assume, is just abusing the discounts from Dr. Spacetime, and I only have one of those, so I don't have a lot of first-hand experience with that kind of shenanigans, but I'm looking at Neptuna as my preferred hero for that, mostly because of Escape Through Time, but also now because of the zombie middleman, and the Hardy class is now even better than it was before, and it was already really good. And right. if you think of a Dr. Spacetime Conjure deck, you're probably thinking of huge Giganticus or of Super Brains because of the, the fun of Thinking Cap. But right. Neptuna has you know fun things going for it, like Gravestone and, and sports decks where they don't really think of this coming. Neptuna is also just really awesome in general, and you can have all kinds of of fun shenanigans with its papa dude back into your gravestone superpower or mm-hmm. giving it that fancy new treat that will give a guy extra health to keep space time alive even longer right yeah i think um you're definitely right on the money with abusing dr space time and uh certainly the new barrel full of barrels card is is extremely good as i'm sure we've all lost a couple high toughness creatures to that seemingly unfairly over the last few days and any any card that conjures a card that costs one is very, very good with discounts. So something like Escape Through Time, you'd be able to loop, like, so, you know, Escape Through Time over and over again until you get something that's not that, or even just being sure to always have one of those to to save a guy because the, the protect the discount sticks around even if space-time goes away. I do think that a Brainy deck would be better, though. As you said, Thinking Cap conjuring zero-mana superpowers is pretty bananas, and... Mad Chemist plays right into that, and that's another very strong Brainy Conjuration card. And if you're just trying to get maximum possible discounts, Triplication draws you three cards that end up getting discounted. And so given that Imp and Gargantua are very pushed subtypes, like very strong subtypes, you're going to probably get good cards off of those. Either that or the Imp is going to be so cheap that you can use it as a shield or something. And I think that um, Huge Giganicus's just general powers are are very strong at getting the board and keeping hold of it. Absolutely. And that that's what you want to do to be able to protect your creatures that enable the conjuration. So um, that would be my vote if I had to do it. Yeah, thank, thank you for the question, Jacob. Yeah, I'll, I'll sure, be sure to try to make a deck like that sometime in the next week. Yeah, I'm, I might uh, go uh, go and craft a couple of Dr. Spacetimes since I'm not going to be buying any more Galactic Gardens packs anytime soon. Yeah, I, I only have one of those as well. How many thinking caps do you have? I have four. I only got three. I don't think you'd want to play more than three. I haven't actually made a deck with thinking cap in it yet it's quite clunky if you're not abusing if you're not getting a conjuration discount taking taking turn four off to just play that especially now that everything's so much faster um that's just like that's too big a hit for me also neptuna has zombology teacher which will help make 
your thing is even cheaper if they're trucks. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. That's a really crazy card. Yeah, I'm, I might need to go and make a couple of those. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit of remorse for not buying them when they were available because that card might actually be awesome. Yeah, and the uh, bummer, especially because um, with set three, it seems like they have made it so that the the cash cards, the cash only cards like Hot Date and um, Zombology Teacher, are going to permanently cost two thousand rather than sort of slowly cranking down to one thousand like the rest of the event cards do. Yeah, feels bad. Um, yeah, it does, but whatever. Um, okay, so again, thank you, listener Jacob, for the good question. Uh, and our second piece of listener mail is from listener Zach, who tells me again that Espresso Fiesta is good. Okay, fine. I admit I was wrong about that. Um, and then <laughs> asks, ha- Having spent a couple of days playing uh, OTK Chomzilla, I now also think Espresso Fiesta is awesome again. Yeah, I, I, I still stand by my criticism that, you know, you're probably going to die with it in your hand more than not. Um, but it is, it's definitely good at winning games, especially now that the, um, magnifying grass is cheaper and we're going to get pumpkin boy for, um, for sure now. And they, they changed the block meter interaction. So if like your, your second espresso fiesta bonus attack triggers the block meter, your third one will happen after the meter resolves. So oh, really? Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I learned that the easy way a couple of days ago. Okay, I I was not aware of that. I thought I guess I wasn't sure if they changed it back or if it was just always this way. And I misremembered it last time I talked about it. Well, I've actually the, the block meter has been one of the things. We'll get to the rest of the listeners' ask question in just a second. Um, but the block meter thing has been, as a Magic player, one of the things I've been most fascinated by because they don't really explicitly tell you how it works, and and there's a lot of interesting interactions with triggered abilities and when things die and when the block meter resets and so on. Just sort of being able to feel out the the specifics of it has been a really fun exercise. And so, you know, just for example, with triggered abilities, I'm sure we've all had Space Cowboy move out of the way before our hothead tries to deal six damage in the lane. And, you know, that really surprised me the first time that happened. And the block meter kind of has a similar interaction where, like, let's say you have a galactic cactus and a bunch of stuff that triggers when they take damage like say mirror nut or things like that when the block meter goes off it blocks the whole chain with espresso fiesta it seems like the bonus attacks to use magic terms are additional effects that happen after espresso fiesta is finished resolving so it's not like the block meter says block the whole stack it just says block everything on the stack right now and the bonus attacks don't go on the stack till later so then they're not around for the block meter to happen or at least each bonus attack goes on the stack as its own separate layer unlike sporticus if you have multiple of those they'll all trigger at the same time right yeah it's i I would be interested to see you know like a really specific write-up of that you know there's i don't remember the dude's name off the top of my head but somebody on the reddit does does pretty detailed rundowns of like individual cards and make like an infographic kind of and i would be interested to see one of those about the block meter just because there are kind of a lot of interesting little subtleties about how triggered abilities work in this game anyway uh that's espresso fiesta the other thing that listener zach says is what do you think about cursed gargalith the new gargantuar that came out in this set so what do you think about that mike i'm not super impressed by it it's a it's a six mana seven five that that hides all of your gargantuars again with Gravestone itself. Right, yes. The, the card that immediately comes to mind is Surprise Gargantuar, which, you know, is is one cheaper right. and moves around to a different lane, from, and, but it's also a sneaky card. And has, has one point of extra toughness. Right, yeah, that extra health does do a difference. But I feel like you're most likely to see Gargalith come out of a uh, Gargantuar's Feast, which 
right. is is nice. You know, it hides all of your stuff and it effectively heals them and makes them untrickable. But you know, we are now in the age of the blockbuster who can eat three gravestones at once. So anything right. that that mimics that you know hide everybody mechanic makes me a little more nervous since there's now a a known counter to it in the world. Right. Something that's important to keep in mind in card evaluation, I think, is that there, the the conjuration mechanic has been so like fundamental to the game now. There's just a lot more cards that do that. That any card that isn't that maybe isn't good enough on rate just by itself to include in your deck is capable of coming out of those conjuration cards. So it is still something to play around, even if you think that you know someone who is within their means to build the best deck possible might not include it on the merits. I, I don't like the five toughness or five health. I'm sorry, I'm a magic player. Five health to uh, compared to the six cost. Um, I agree. I think that that, you know, even, even though having Gravestone is is a way to protect it, kind of, its whole ability is based on surviving, and if it just dies, then it dies. And if you if you want to have a creature with high attack that trades with a high health plant that your opponent has you want that thing to be cheaper than six because with gravestone you also want to play more stuff that turn so you're really taking up your whole turn just to trade with a thing especially if you're not getting that trigger then that is probably not good enough on rate the gargantuars are also really well distributed among the the five different colors so it's it's kind of hard to build a gargantuar specific deck you know unless you're rustbolt who can do anything he wants at any time what what a uh, faction is is Curse Gargolith? It is a sneaky card. So if you want to get that that uh, that sweet gargologist value, you need to make a a Gargantuar Neptuna, which I haven't seen yet. But uh, maybe. yeah, sneaky kind of gets the shorter end of the Gargantuar scenario. Yeah, it's it's way more about that imp life for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I think the card is okay. It's it's definitely going to cause some some crazy game stories, you know. And that's that's one of the things that uh is is fun to see you know you see like hearthstone streamers and stuff posting youtube videos about crazy stuff that happens cards that you know every one in a million times are going to cause a crazy story for you to tell about or complain about you know those are good to have in your game just because it generates buzz i also i really like the art it it is a very a very fun and funny looking card including the little yeah, I like slab the little plank, of an imp on top of yeah, it the little plank imp dude yeah he looks like uh like the guy from ed ed and absolutely yeah Okay, well, thank you, listener Zach, for that uh, question that got us talking a lot more than I expected it to. Uh, and uh, we are totally into hearing more questions and so on from the rest of you. Again, our email address is shroom42podcast at gmail.com. I probably should have said that at the start. And uh, yeah, send us a question and we'll respond. Moving on, a handful of older cards got buffed or, or nerfed accordingly. And uh, the the first and foremost in everyone's hearts and minds is the Click Bee, which will now get one sun more expensive each time you play one. Yeah. Uh, Well-deserved, I think. You had to do something about it, for sure. I think it is still a really good card. Yeah, I I absolutely will be keeping mine. Yeah, same here. Um, You know, you're you're not going to get that best-case scenario of playing three of them by turn two anymore, but it is still a very good deck to have if you're thinking in a little bit of a a longer term gameplay instead of like an it, it it is not as good an aggro card for sure anymore but it's still a very good green card that synergizes well with all of the p stuff and all the bean stuff yeah that's right it's still two still two very relevant creature types and you know if you just think about square plus one stats you know what i mean like a one mana two two or a two mana three three those are pretty much good all along the chain you know maybe once you get to a 
six mana seven seven that's not good enough to just put in your deck anyway but it's your six mana seven seven that's still a one mana two two is i think quite strong absolutely all right the venus flytrap planet got a in my opinion a little bit of a nerf and in your opinion a lot of bit of a nerf that's right we disagree about this i think that it's terrible now i don't think that i'm going to be playing it really um because i think that the infinite combo which was first of all not infinite given how the the super block meter works and second i think really got defanged when they changed heart choke to only work if it survives now i think um that given that they can just turn off venus flytrap planet by playing a bigger creature its whole advantage is is diminished I think it still has a place in a control solar flare deck where you're playing things like Dandelion or Colonel Corn that do a lot of damage immediately when you play them. It's not the same wombo combo trigger with Heart of Choke that it used to be, but I think it's it still is a very good way to heal a lot in one turn. I, I just don't think that you're going to trigger it all that often. I mean, especially given that a lot of what was so good about it was being able to play a strike-through creature that was going to die. Um, so strike through creatures tend to have small health anyway. So you got like cosmic flower, astrocado. Um, there's the new four mana five, four with evolve apple saucer, apple saucer. Yeah. There, there were like, you were able to kind of take a chunk out of a creature or maybe trade with a creature, get in a little bit of damage and heal a pretty good amount for a deck that wants to go to the long game. That's exactly what they want to do. They want to trade one for one or maybe more than one for one and gain some life in the process. They don't want to gain life just by not affecting the board. Um, second best taco I think is okay, but no one would say that it's an all-star compare second best taco to catch a mechanic. Like it's catch a mechanic wins basically every time. And given that, you want to have cards that are like useful all the time and not situationally useful. Venus Flytrap Planet got a whole lot more situational after this change. Um, and so given how fragile it was costing four, I don't think that I'm going to be playing it anymore. It's probably not the worst thing in the world that healing decks got a little bit weaker. Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder too how much this change was instigated by, you know, the reaction on Reddit versus the the actual stats of how often it won because a very real trade-off that that game designers will make in games like this is to balance power level versus perception of power level and so if a card looks amazing but then only plays okay it's going to cause people to really blame it a lot when they lose if they see the card even if the thing that you actually lost to was something better or like something you know sort of less assuming and more consistent if a card just like generates major feel bads when you lose to it um then that that is something that can need to be addressed and i think there was probably a little bit of that going on with click p as well like i don't think click p was really as like totally bananas as everybody thought i think it was definitely really really strong i'd like to go on the record and disagree with that i think it was way too it was the most busted event card they've put out so far I, I don't disagree with that, and I don't even necessarily disagree that it had to be changed, but I think that a lot of the complaining was bandwagoning. And I think that to whatever extent there was complaining about the heart-of-choke combo, I think that people just kind of kept getting mad at it even after the heart-of-choke nerf because they were so mad about it before. You know, I think that maybe there isn't a way to change Venus tra- Flytrap Planet and cause its utility to be anywhere close to what it was, in which case, oh well. But I do think that this renders the card pretty much unplayable. All right, uh, let us know what you think. Yeah, exactly. That's a great listener mail subject. What do you think about the Venus Flytrap Planet nerf? Are you even bothering with it anymore? Let us know. Yeah. Are you going to get those sweet, sweet 50 sparks by disenchanting them, or are you going to keep them around? Yeah. All right. Um, 
Magnifying Grass is now one cheaper, and OTK Chomzilla is a thing now, believe me. Yeah, this is uh this is pretty good. You know, this is this is the kind of thing that makes uh Espresso Fiesta better. And um taking a card like this that's clearly meant to be built around and making it a little bit easier to build around, I think is a good idea. It's probably not gonna end up being too good. It also acts as a very like weird, fragile kind of removal if you're, you know, generating seven sun that turn or whatever. And exactly. you know, if if the zombie man has used all his brains playing a zombie, you can put this in front of something really big and take care of it, you know, like the untrickable fossil head, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Yeah, exactly. The having Having high power creatures to be able to deal with untrickable stuff is a lot more important. The Zombot drone engineer is now a two mana one four, which is really hard to kill and really kind of a nuisance. Yeah, I mean the whenever Zombot drone engineer came out before, I just didn't care at all. I was like, oh, thank God, it's a bad card. Um, and uh, now it actually does stick around long enough to give a pretty good sizable buff, especially with uh, all the cosmic scientists out there. Yeah, who you don't you don't really think about as something you need to take high priority in killing those those now all get one stronger and it's it's really hard to deal with a zombot on turn two or even turn three Mm -hmm. yeah this this again is is the sort of card that says hey build around me include a bunch of science cards and making it easier to do that especially since it stayed uncommon is i think totally worthwhile thing to do especially for new players yeah science decks are back tell your friend uh and the next card that got changed is haunting ghost um, which both became a card on its own in this set, and also um, the the version that you get from Haunted Zombie is different now. The two mana two one is amphibious, and when it comes in, it gives a plant minus one minus one. I think that this is very good. I think that the the Haunting Zombie was a very bad card that I have not used in a long time. So it is it is nice to see that the the token that comes out of that is a little bit better and. Yeah, that like this is fine. I I might use it in something. It's a it's a monster card, so you can get it off of Pumpkin Boy. It's true. So first of all, one of the things that I think makes this such a good change is that Haunting Ghost is a great card for new players. It's uncommon, so new players are going to have a lot of them, and it is a cheap and versatile way of making the game go long. And so something that's very popular among new players into games like this is to want to play their giant creature. You want to play your giant gargantuar and maybe that's just a smashing gargantuar if you're a new player but you know you want to play your big giant thing that's super awesome and if you lose to aggro decks that's a really easy way to get turned off of a game and haunting zombie will probably kill a small creature and its ghost has a better chance of killing another creature all on its own and while haunting zombie probably isn't a constructed all-star you know just a two mana two one that gives you a two mana two one there are rarer and better cards than that but i think that for new players especially this is a totally solid upgrade that is not going to be too busted going to definitely make it better for players that play decks full of uncommons this is i think there's nothing wrong with this and lastly the treat cards formerly only giveable off of trick-or-treater one of the worst cards in the game these got a little bit of a buff no argument there and gain one three or gain three one both of those aren't bad especially like are they both one mana cards? No, the plus three plus one is two. Okay. Have you seen the the terrifying combo with the zero mana swabby right away? It, it, <laughs> if, if you throw that in the amphibious lane and start filling it full of buffs, it can be uh, kind of hard to deal with. Uh, yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, no, I haven't seen that. Um, but I do think that these are quite good now. As I've mentioned, uh, I thought Barrel Full of Barrels took an appreciable chunk out of Captain Cucumber, and I think that Sugar Retreat probably does too. Anything that you put a Sugar Retreat on that has at least one power will kill a cucumber and it will also survive. And so I think that um, this is like 
totally a reasonable card to include. And the one mana one three or one mana uh, plus one plus three trick is also totally fine. Probably going to make you survive a thing. Probably going to help you extend your lifetime of building around your your combo piece like Dr. Spacetime or something like that or zombie uh, zombology teacher. You know, this yeah, zombology teacher makes that cost zero and it makes it a three four. And so, you know, it like maybe in a super tuned deck that's like, you know, teleporting in tricksters and whatever, like maybe this card isn't impactful enough to include on its own. But like as far as causing creatures to interact with each other, like these are great. And um, the the one mana plus one plus three is totally good enough rate to to make it go. Like if it was one mana plus two plus two, you'd probably play that every time. One yeah. mana plus one plus three is very close to as good as that. Yeah, you look at the Yeti Lunchbox, which is not a great card in itself, but that's a the, the same mana cost, and this is mm-hmm. literally just two health better than that in mm-hmm. a in a class that is not a, as good at buffing. That's true. Yeah, I think these are quite strong. Yeah, and if you play Trick or Treater, people won't laugh at you as much, maybe, anymore. Yeah, I think it's still uh, pretty significantly lower power level than Mad Chemist, um, which it resembles in pretty much every other way, but is totally not embarrassing anymore. There's there's some some nastiness that could go on in like a in a Super Brains or a huge Giganticus deck where you play Trick or Treater and end up with a bunch of you know, and if you have space time on the field, you end up with some some zero mana treats that will get your trickster real cheap real fast yeah i mean trickster trickster didn't exactly need any help you know um but it's definitely uh goes with that scenario if that's what you're trying to do what would it take for rust bolt to not be the best zombie hero in the game because i have no idea man i don't know but uh certainly some cards came out just now that don't make me think that happened for our next segment we're going to talk about the new mechanics in colossal fossils Uh, The first one of those is evolution. This goes on zombies and plants, and it says, X evolution, play me on top of whatever to get a bonus effect. So something with plant evolution gets played on a plant, do a thing. What do you think about this mechanic, Mike? This is really interesting to me because it, it might reshape how people build their decks to include more cheaper creatures for, for evolution fodder. You know, Agreed. We, we've seen it already with Middleman going in there as like, you know, a great one mana draw card and also if it survives you can play Fossil Head over this and upgrade it real big huge. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that a little bit later. We've got a little bit more to say about that. But yeah, I, I totally agree that it it's gonna change the the dynamic of designing decks. Um it adds a new dimension to this game that a lot of other games that have worked like it have had in that you can you can overwrite your creatures with other stuff now most games that work like this you can just overwrite anything with anything but in this case you can only use cards with evolution to play on top of an existing thing and i really like that because as anyone who's played you know imp throwing imp or any other thing like that when your board fills up and you suddenly can't play anything that can be pretty bad and and it definitely feels bad, especially for new players. I think this is going to sort of make the game more dynamic for people that really want to metagame and, and think about what their opponent might have. Um, there's some more calculations to do, and so I think that's cool. And I think that the evolution mechanic is really cool. Like, I'm sure plenty of us played the Pokemon card game. It's pretty much ripped straight out of that. And, you know, it's fun to do there, too. It also adds an extra importance to, like, 1-1s or otherwise really small attack wimpy creatures that I would otherwise just kind of let, you know, okay, you can continue to take up that lane and hit me for one and charge my block meter. But now that is seen as ammunition for some big evolution play and that will make me rethink how I how much emphasis I want to put on clearing my opponent's board which that that's a pretty fundamental change to how I've been playing 
And I would add to that, it also adds a lot of value to creatures that leave a token behind when they die. So one of my favorite cards from Colossal Fossils is Sunflower Seed. Three mana, three, two, that when it dies, it makes a sunflower. That, I think, is both great on its own because you want to kill a thing and ramp. That's what you want to do in a ramp deck. But also, it ramps you right into Tricorn, which, when evolves off any plant, attacks in three lanes and is four-power thing when it does. Four-six, even. And that's extremely strong. And in a, in a scenario where that sunflower is only acting as either a meat shield or just a ramp creature that's still pretty good but when it can even be something to power out like a bamboozle or tricorn that makes that even way better there's one nitpick i have with how evolve came out in that a small handful of cards have a specific type evolve versus most of them just having generic plant or zombie evolve and i don't think those are those are not evenly powered like i got a gatling p as my first legendary and that has you know a p evolve do a bonus attack and that doesn't feel a lot stronger than most of the generic plant evolves i'm not sure how things are are supposed to be balanced with a generic evolve versus a a specific evolve of some kind i agree that the plant evolves are just sort of generally less powerful than fossil head which we'll talk about later but I think that having the thing that you evolve need to be specific is a very important design piece. Maybe they should have pushed the plants a little bit harder, but it creates a deck building dynamic and something that can really turn players off. Something that's really turned me off from games is when like the possibility space of what your opponent's able to do is just like unfathomably vast. So if I know that they can only do a Gatling P bonus attack, for example, if they have a P, then it's very easy for me to just write that scenario off when they don't have a P. So even though Gatling P is kind of a crappy legendary and it's probably pretty disappointing to open, yep. I think that that's a very good thing that they did to have to have specific evolves rather than gen- only generics. It could also be that when set four comes out, the other half of this will, will help fill in the, the missing gaps a bit more balance-wise. That's right. It's. I think it's important to keep in mind when evaluating any of this stuff that set three and set four were probably designed as a whole and then split up between the two. So it's possible that something that's busted now might, you know, have a counter coming in the next set or something that's underpowered now might have an enabler coming in the next set. So Gatling P is one of those things that if the right thing were to exist, maybe it might be great. So that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I, I like running P decks. I have a I have a P green shadow and a p chompzilla and i have yet to be super impressed by this you know maybe maybe that'll change if i like get it on a red planted or behind a torchwood or something but so far i'm i'm not feeling it yet right and actually one one particular wag of the finger that i would give is that um when your game is based off of you know a story and a theme that everyone loves um you really want to have your good cards be the ones that really represent the theme and so like the mascot of the game is green shadow the pea shooter is the very first plant you ever use in plants versus zombies you know i think that it's good for them to to push the pea tribe as a as a good set of cards that reward you when you play them and that should include you know having their big awesome legendary that's like you know one of the one of the marquee cards of the brand new set those should be good too um you know it's like if you were playing a game about superheroes you wouldn't want superman to be bad you want superman to be awesome you want the the thing that you recognize from the Plants vs. Zombies game you played before that you loved and think is cool to be good in this game as well. Yeah, wasn't wasn't Gatling P the first plant food bonus from Plants vs. Zombies 2? That's right, it was. 
Yeah, it's it's not as fun to play as it looks like, which is a little disappointing. But you know, maybe maybe the right deck just hasn't surfaced yet for it. Yeah, uh, the next new mechanic uh, in this set is Dino Roar, which is a triggered ability that again goes on plants and zombies. Although in this case, only on legendary plants and zombies. That says whenever you draw a card, do something. Yeah, first seen in the Bananasaurus Rex, and now it's mm-hmm. been divided among among more dinosaur like dudes. Yeah, I think I think that's cool. I like to see in games when, you know, they realize that an existing mechanic has more design space. And so we saw that with Conjure and obviously Conjure has been great. We saw that with Hunt and Hunt is a cool mechanic. Double strike, double strike's fun. Double strike, yeah. Realizing that something is has enough design space in it to be worth turning into a keyword, I think is pretty cool. The Dino Roar only being on legendary cards is going to reduce the amount that people see it, at least as far as, you know, players that don't spend very much money or something like that. So it will be less impactful in that way. Um, but a lot of the cards that it's on seem to be pretty good. Yeah, I have one Stompadon, and I really wish I had three more. Yeah, Stompadon, I've I've seen some pretty busted pictures on Reddit of, uh, you know, like a zero mana 4242 trickster or some ridiculous <laughs> thing like that. So something that's good to think about when evaluating a new mechanic that you see is what is the best card possible to work with this? And the answer seems to be Dino Roar plus Pot of Gold a one-mana trick that draws you three cards means you get three triggers off your Dino Roar effects. And Pot of Gold is most assuredly worth including in your deck in the form of Leprechaun Imp and was most certainly worth, you know, paying money for to get. Um, And so people are going to be playing that no matter what. And so if the best Dino Roar cards end up being busted with that, then then maybe something something needs to happen. All hail King Rustbolt. Rustbolt is... He's just going to be good kind of no matter what's going on. The Dino Roar also helps anything with a Conjure on it. You know, everything even down to the Yeti zombie giving you an extra lunchbox will proc a, uh, mm-hmm. a, a Stompadon. So there's there's a lot of a lot of potential to make your hand really big and make everything in your hand 1-1 one, one stronger. Mm-hmm. As well as things like cone zone or escape through time to help keep it alive for longer mm-hmm. that's right you the the zombies have a lot of tools to protect a combo piece and this is most assuredly a combo piece that you'd want to protect yeah. escape through time protects your stompadon and also procs the dino roar so have fun yeah now that you say it like that that's pretty good isn't it yeah and every hardy hero gets to do it that's something to keep an eye on Next up, we got untrickable which untrickable does what it says you can't trick me haha So I'm actually not fully clear on how this works. So you can't target something. Correct. um, But I saw a Ginta Gaming video where an unreleased card, a nut that had no power and also untrickable, survived a weed spray. Is that how this works still? Um... Well, like if there's an if there's an untrickable creature on the ground and I play a tactical cuke, will it die? Nope, <laughs> I learned that the hard way. That that dude will survive tactical cuke like he is a cockroach. And um, what about like uh, cherry bomb? Like what about a, a target? Like it's a targeted effect that does damage, but it doesn't do damage in the, like it does damage outside of where it targets. Will it get affected by that? I don't know first-handedly, but I believe cherry bomb splash damage will hit it. But okay. that could be, like, you know, we could get 40 people telling us, no, you're wrong. It doesn't work against that either. I, I have not tried it yet. Yeah, I, I, I haven't done it either, especially mostly because, you know, I haven't been able to really win that many games with a plant deck that tries to play Cherry Bomb. I've been dead too often. That's a downside, I think, to to the very short and sweet way they describe mechanics in this game. You know, like, Hearthstone makes that same trade-off, too, where they'll say, like, 
here's a one sentence description of how this mechanic works. And, you know, when you encounter some corner cases where the details are weird, well, you'll figure those out and then you'll know it. With a card like Fossil Head, the, what is effectively a two mana five, six untrickable answers to that card are very, very important. Yeah. Um, and, and so you really need to know what cards are going to affect that versus what aren't even honestly just a two mana two three untrickable is like probably pretty damn good and i think two mana five six untrickable especially given that we printed a very good enabler for it you know the uh zombie middle manager one mana one two that can conjure you a fossil head this is the name of the game right now and so i would personally like to know a little bit more about untrickable given that it's you know mechanics that reduce interaction are so dangerous yeah, it it also brings a greater emphasis on non-trick removal into play. So things like Guacodile or Briar Rose or things with splash damage like Snapdragon or Wintermelon. Like those are now more important because they put up more of a fight against Fossil Head, which so much of the meta is around that and stopping that right now, especially if you get two of them out by turn three, which is really terrifying. Yeah, I, I would um, I would also add freezing to that list. I would think that, um, you know, chili, uh, chili pepper is is something that can can work with this. But again, chili pepper that costs your whole turn three and you play chili pepper in front of Fossil Head. It takes a chunk of it for two assuming that it doesn't just get killed by a thing right away. And then on the next turn, assuming Chili Pepper is surviving still, which is quite a big ask, you're still not going to kill it. The, in some ways, that's okay because you're two for one in yourself to, cr- to create the fossil head. You know, you have to sacrifice a creature, but the plant player has to like three for one themselves. Yeah, you, killing fossil head is a multiple turn endeavor at this point. I guess they decided that having it die right away to Shamrocket was a deal breaker, but, you know, it doesn't really die right away. You still get to attack for five on turn two. That's that's quite strong. And they had to take their whole turn three off to do it. So you got to play your other creature that doesn't get to get killed by Shamrocket because they have to kill your first thing. And so, you know, I'm not one to proactively call for nerfs generally, but as far as what I've seen so far, this seems like the the least fun most unfair seeming card i agree completely i am expecting a change to it at some point either making it more expensive or lowering the buff or maybe even both of those like if it were a three mana that gave it a two two buff it would still probably be really really strong I'm totally on board with that, especially since the enabler is still going to cost one, and the enabler is like totally good anyway. You know, yeah. like you can get you can get a bungee plumber or a mixed up grave digger off of zombie uh, zombie middle manager or, or a and, kitchen like, sink or kitchen sink. Like you know, but you know, think think about a hypothetical two mana one two zombie that when it came in dealt two damage to a plant or to their face. I would play four of those in every deck possible, um, and I think that zombie middle manager is very close to as good as that. Because, you know, you're probably going to get a relevant card, and you might even get a great card. It should be noted that the Umbrella Leaf, the the plant card that makes its friends untrickable, is itself trickable. So be no, wary. It's not. It is. Oh, is it? Yeah, you can you can lightning bolt it or disco butt it and and take care of that. Oh, look, it says other plants here and next door are untrickable. Okay, there so you yeah, go. you're right. Also, uh, Umbrella Leaf works really well in an Onion Rings deck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's wow. That's pretty good. One last thing about untrickable: there's an inherent unevenness about untrickable things because zombie cards can be deadly, and that is a very, true. very effective non-trick way to kill something. 
you know, between Barrel of Barrels or Toxic Waste Imp or Laser Base Alpha. Those are all really, really prevalent right now in the meta, and they, they eat untrickable things for lunch, whereas plants don't have those extra kind of tools against untrickable things. Yeah, I, I honestly expected them in this set because I knew Untrickable was coming. I, I, I wasn't able to avoid spoilers that much. Um, but I expected when they printed Untrickable to also give plants access to Deadly. They gave zombies access to freezing in Galactic Gardens. And, you know, just one of the things that happens in games like this over time is that the, the mechanics kind of blend cross factions as as they realize what would be good for other factions to be able to do. And I, I would be very surprised if untrickable zombies stayed at the power level that they're at and plants didn't get deadly there's also the question of of plant of creatures that remove another card so things like the the chomper which is now right playable in some cases because it eats umbrella zombie for lunch as well as as toadstool i've been using a lot of that for the last couple of days i wouldn't be shocked to see some kind of plant creature that had a a polymorph ability in it to to transform a, a, a mean-looking fossil head. Devolve a creature kind of thing? Yeah, like some some kind of transmogrify, recombobulator sort of thing where you, you turn a zombie into a random zombie of the same cost or whatever. Yeah, that would be cool. Like, there, there are still definitely ways to work around Untrickable. They just haven't been fully explored yet, and I expect them to be a little more flushed out once set four and a few more event cards come out. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so for the card of the week this week, we got a lucky reprieve since we've already talked about Pumpkin Boy pretty much for as long as we really need to uh, in episode two. So if you want to see what we think about Pumpkin Boy, uh, listen to episode two. Only now there's a couple more monsters. That's right. Uh, there are some pretty good monsters that got printed in this set. So if if that was bad before, then it got worse now. We'll get to finally find out what Pumpkin Boy is like pretty soon. But there's plenty of other new cards for us to talk about. That's right. And so we've each picked one card from the new set to highlight. We've already talked about plenty of cards before, but we've uh, we've got two cards here that we haven't mentioned yet. So, Mike, why don't you go first? All right. My uh, my pick for card of the week is Zomblob, the brainy three-mana 1-5 with bullseye, where if you evolve it, it gains one attack for every brain you've gained for that turn. And when I first looked at it, I thought, oh, wow, that is all kinds of busted and leads to some crazy one-turn kill combos. Oh, yeah. And then having played against it, it was even more busted than I realized. Like, I didn't think that each brain vendor you played would give it an extra three brains, an extra three attack, but it does. And since it's a brainy card, you can teleport it and lurch for lunch wherever you go. And there's Medulla Nebula synergy and all sorts of crazy things you can do for this. It's like a Valkyrie deck, except you don't need to charge it up. Exactly. That's what I was just about to say. We've, we've, there's been a much made in the last few days and weeks about that deck where where you dirtle around until you have a 20-power Valkyrie in your hand and then teleport it and then kill them. And this is kind of that all in one and all in the same faction. You know, every every relevant card is brainy. And it has bullseye, because why not? And it has bullseye, yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I think this is a pretty dangerous design. Cards that get better when you make more brains in one turn are already super good. So, like, you know, they had to nerf Medulla Nebula. Brain Vendor probably doesn't need a nerf, but it's still really good. And, you know, the whole reason that those cards are good is that they let you do more stuff. And when when a card gets better, the more stuff you do, that's just an encouragement to go all in on that strategy. Magic players will recognize Storm. Hearthstone players will recognize Combo and Edwin Van Cleef. Those effects are good, and those effects are very hard to balance. Yeah, and if you don't have a solution for it right away, it will kill you. 
especially because in the way this game works, the plants just literally can't interact once the tricks phase begins. And so, you know, this is, I think, one of the worst kinds of, of feel bad type mechanics, which is the oops, you're dead mechanic where, you know, like, oops, I forgot to play around, whatever. I guess I lost the game. When making a mistake causes you to instantly die, you have very few opportunities to actually learn against it because the game ends right away. You need to remember what happened previously in the game in order for you to remember where you made your mistake. And there's ultimately just not as much stuff that you could have done, like teleport plus Zomblob plus Lurch for Lunch cost six in total. And it is very, very easy to have six mana left over at the end of your turn, especially if you play a thing with Gravestone on top of a Medulla Nebula. Or a mixed up Gravedigger and get double value out of your Brain Vendor and whatever's in your Medulla Nebula. Yeah, like this is the sort of thing. So, okay. So a couple ways that I think that this could have been ratcheted down a little bit besides just like costing more or not having Bullseye or whatever. It probably should be a specific type to evolve. I'm not sure what is what specific creature type it should be. Probably science or monster. Yeah, exactly. Like some, some a rarer creature type like monster, I think, would go pretty well here because it just narrows the, the possibility spaces of where it might show up. You'd need to teleport in a monster and teleport in that thing in order for it to, to, to really get you. As opposed to playing it on your leprechaun and gaining another three brains from Medulla Nebula. Right. So um, another thing I think that would have made it different is to is to put it outside the brainy faction. I understand that that is not as that's not as clean a solution. Um, a because it's been printed already, and B because brainy is the faction that makes brains, and so you want the thing that cares about how much brains you made to be in the brainy faction. I think it also has domain over bullseye stuff. That's true too. Which I mean, it's you know kind of a whole other separate question to see whether it should have bullseye or not. Again, I'm not necessarily proactively calling for this to be nerfed because I do believe that there are ways to build plant decks that make you less susceptible to this sort of thing. But there are only so many ways to kill a teleportation zombie. There's only so many ways to interact with teleport. And there's really only so many ways to kill them quick before they amass a naturally large amount of brains. So the, the number of interaction points present on this card is, is pretty low, given the rest of the mechanics in the Brainy Faction. And yeah, I'm just surprised that it seems to be as pushed hard as it was. One other thing that it has in similarity with Valkyrie is I look at it and I think, are you sure you want that to cost only three? Like, that is a a finisher. That is a, a one-turn sure. kill potential guy, and you're going to shovel it out here for three brains. Uh, okay. It's cheap because you're meant to play a teleport in the same turn, and you're meant to do other stuff to, to make it go. And, you know, that, like, while that's understandable, the very first thing that you think about when seeing a a mechanic that says make a bunch of brains and I'm better is to play stuff like the two mana trick that gives you an extra brain, play brain vendor, play medulla nebula. You're going to have a bunch of extra brains already. And so you, um, you're going to have enough to turn it on kind of no matter what it costs. And so it, it probably could have cost four or five. And I think Valkyrie's probably okay at three, to be honest, but it probably could have cost four or five and still been quite good at what it was designed to do. Right. All right, Taylor, do you want to do your card? My card is Quick Draw Con Man, uh, one mana, one four crazy zombie uh, that is notably a pirate, and it has bullseye and says, whenever the plant hero draws a card, deal them one damage. So uh, this is pretty good just on its face. It's a one mana creature that has a lot of stats, and the dealing them one damage when they draw a card is guaranteed to get in a couple of times. Um, but the thing that really makes me surprised about this is that it's a pirate. So 
the the two mana two two pirate lord that when it says whenever a pirate connects you get it gets plus one plus one this triggers that so whenever they draw a card this guy gets plus one plus one and it gets plus one plus one increases its health so it's harder to kill it's got bullseye so you're getting extra value there and it gains strike through from captain flameface and so you know this just has a lot of the the monikers that someone would think that this card is going to be good high stats for its cost relevant creature type triggered ability that gets you value and doesn't cost you any resources to do yeah i think this is going to be strong pirate infinity now officially a thing oh yeah definitely also speaking of the pirate decks we should mention that uh, the barrel full of dead beards got reverted back to its old form where it spits out a 4-3 instead of the give everyone strike through guy which is now captain flameface yeah i wonder why they did that that's uh, that's okay i don't really have any opinions on that Who knows, um man? But um, one of the things that we talked about on the show when the new Captain Deadbeard happened, which is now Captain Flameface, as Mike said, um, was that it's it's good enough just to include as a card, like without bothering to do pirate synergy. And this, I think, is exactly the same thing. One mana, one four with Bullseye that just does him a damage is good enough to include anyway, especially since its high health means it's going to stick around to evolve stuff. And um, the fact that it synergizes with the Pirate Lord is is just gravy. Oh, also, I would be remiss if I didn't point out Secret Agent, which makes this a effectively two mana four seven with or I guess a three mana four seven with bullseye and that ability, which is insane. Wow, that's really scary now that you put it out that way. But it should also be kept in mind that there are two event cards in the pipe from the crazy class that give the plant a card in Exploding Fruitcake and Unexpected Gifts. So that is, you know, a couple of extra triggers on that right away, as well as, you know, the the benefits of that trick in either doing damage or giving yourself three event cards. Yeah, and and honestly, this this is not specifically related to to quick draw con man, but you know, when those new event cards dropped and we were looking at them, you know, like I saw exploding fruitcake and thought, wow, that's really good. I wonder what that's going to end up being like. And now that I see the cards from set three, when I see that a really awesome removal spell is getting printed and it is a zombie spell, I am very surprised by that because the zombies are not who needs a two mana trick that deals six damage right now. You know what I'm saying? Seven damage. It got buffed. Holy shit. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Seven damage. Wow. Yeah, so there must be something, I mean, I trust these designers, you know, there must be something really crazy coming down the pipe, but man oh man, is that a scary sounding card. The developers heard your complaints about plants being too strong, and they have answered it, and answered it, and answered it. Yeah, there's a goes to show you, be careful what you wish for, because the more public opinion goes into uh, swaying their balance changes, which, you know, is totally up to them, kind of the, the better of a chance it has to to kind of punish you by giving you too much of what you want and i think that you know like i think the community was in general right to complain about click p but the pendulum seems to be swinging pretty far back in the other direction we should trust ourselves to come up with the answers and to to sort of understand how the dynamics of the game are changing to change how we play but uh yeah you know be careful what you wish for uh one last note to that keep in mind that there's always going to be a best card in the game Oh, yeah. You know, whether it's Click P or Trickster or Valkyrie or Fossil Head now, like something has to be the best. Yeah, there, there's there's always going to be something good. There's always going to be something you hate. A lot of people hate Bad Moon Rising. I think Bad Moon Rising is great. I think it's hilarious. I think it makes crazy game stories. I think it's good. Um, and, you know, if anything is a problem with with Bad Moon Rising, it's Brain Vendor. But the game is is never going to be exactly how you want. And 
even though we've been given a whole lot of new challenges to try to overcome with this new set, we've been given a whole lot of tools to do it. And I think that, you know, we should be excited and motivated to try to do that stuff um, and, you know, leave the complaining for six months from now when we still haven't figured it out. The developers also do an all right job of shuffling around what new sexy cards go to which faction because you know you look at something like zomblob and it's like oh man they gave that to brainy why couldn't they have given that to uh, no not hardy and uh, not crazy and uh, not sneaky like you know so- something has to get the shiny new toy and they've mm-hmm. done a pretty good job of spreading those those toys around you know maybe beastly is not as as sexy as you like but at the on the other hand you know a, a smash pet deck is still pretty good like i've i've done some laddering with that and yeah frady cat fits right in there well we are getting another half of this set in a few months and the meta will shake out how it shakes out and you know the the people fighting over the tippy top king of the hill position up in in ultimate rank might come to some conclusions about what the what the de facto best deck is um but there's still going to be a lot of dynamic gameplay lower on the ladder where people don't have every card and there's still going to be a lot of a lot of interesting interactions that we haven't seen before just by virtue of there being so many new cards moving on to our deck dive of the week this is a deck that i did a lot of laddering with this season and i was really excited to talk about and then set three came out and now everything's different but this deck's still alright, even though it doesn't have a lot of shiny new cards like a lot of you might expect our first deck since set 3 to come out have. But this is a mid-range Beta Caratina deck that I have... I've been using it since it was a Citron deck late in Season 1 that I titled It Just Keeps Winning. Just Keeps Winning, I think, is a bit of an understatement. You are currently ranked 49 on the ladder. It's true. And uh, you were in the mid-30s last week. And I've been playing a bunch too, and I'm only 37. Yeah, this this deck did wonders for me going going all the way up. There's a lot of really big creatures that hit for like four, five, six damage at a time, as well as some some nifty early game shenanigans. Starting off, it has Forget Me Nuts, which is really good. If your opponent doesn't play a creature on turn one, they're pretty much a turn behind for the rest of the game, which lets you develop your your board either with beta caratina superpowers which i think are all really nice to have like i agreed they're all proactive and they're all very strong i don't feel bad about playing any of them on turn one you know whether to block a cheese cutter or you know add two cards to my hand i I get a cherry bomb really often from those and that that bails me out a, a lot you know i can also you know get things like banana bombs or or plenty of other stuff mm-hmm. and you know if i don't get those there's yeah, the, so and, magic beans to to fill my deck full of four four goodness one one final note on forget me nuts we've been talking a whole bunch right now about tricks and tricksters and teleports and whatever so interacting with that mechanic is pretty strong yeah, right forget now. me nuts works really well on a turn one play but also as a way to keep your opponent from playing going viral which is another really big influential swing the game in the zombies favor card so if you notice they have three brains left and they're playing a hardy class throw down a forget me nuts and throw off all their plans it feels really good yeah that's that's something that i think i don't think we've really talked about that very much on this show but the art of knowing when not to play a card is a very important thing and so as you just said even if forget me nuts just like a random forget me nuts on turn five wouldn't be very strong um then maybe if you draw one 
and you know you don't have really anything good to do with it, you should save it for an interaction point like that to show Absolutely. up. Absolutely. One of the the new set three cards I put in there was the Pair Pal, the two two amphibious with team up, because it is a wonderful counter to Toxic Waste Imp, but also a very nice both protector of a card like a Forget Me Nuts or a Sporticus, as well as adding an extra two damage in from a lane, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. My favorite combo in this deck is on turn four, dropping a Galactic Cactus and a Grizzly Pear Cub. It does both field clear and gives you a thing with five attack in the amphibious lane, which will help you get ahead in life point total real fast. Yeah, in, broadly speaking, I would say that this is a Galactic Cactus deck. You know, you've got plenty of stuff in here that goes well with it, and Galactic Cactus is just, like, very, very strong. It was the first card I crafted from set two, and I have no regrets about it. Oh Yeah, it's great. Over the time, a lot of event cards have come out for the Guardian class that have lifted it from just a support faction to a I-can-kind-of-do-everything-now faction. You know, it has Shamrocket, which is one of the best removal cards in the game. It has Grizzly Pair Cub, which, you know, works two-for-one, as well as giving you a big statted creature on turn three and also killing something of theirs with one health. Uh, It has Tough Beast, which I think is one of the best cheap big cards in the game. Like, I will play that and get a 6-2 with armor and still feel really good about it. Yeah, that's, let's let's talk about your, your distribution of, of large creatures, because you're clearly trying to stick a finisher to end the game, and so your components here are three Tough Beats, two Brain Anna, two Wintermelon, and one Dragon Fruit. So talk about those okay, choices. Well, I like Brain Anna, because it is a really good way to take care of Bad Moon Rising. It is a really fun, haha, I'm going to skip your turn now card, and another thing you can play in the oh, water yeah. lane and do four damage. Wintermelon, it, it used to cost seven, and now it only costs six, and it's really good now. It, it can take out three things. It can freeze untrickable guys. It can protect the lane behind it to, you know, free up your Grizzly Pear Cub or your Hibernating Berry for, for an attack of its own, and... Dragonfruit's just awesome. I have one of them. I wish I had more. It, it feels so good to play. It it screws up the zombies so hard with with what they're planning on doing. Guacodile, I've always been a really big fan of that and was not surprised at all when it got buffed up to being a super rare because I've always thought it as a, a really powerful card, mostly because it trades with defensive end. That's yeah. a good point. Sporticus is nice. You know, having a 3-mana three 3-3 three, three is fine, but it also can yeah. make your opponent rethink when they're going to play their tricks, or my favorite, when they have two health left, you play Sporticus, and they can't play tricks anymore. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, Sporticus is a very good metagame call right now, I think. It's it's very good just by itself, but I think the, the sort of most punishing things to do right now are pretty neatly punished by Sporticus. Yeah. I'm not entirely sold on the, the Blockbuster, the other set three card in here. I, I used to just run two Grave Busters, and I'm I'm trying this out because I, I'm real sick of Mixed Up Gravedigger, as I'm guessing a bunch of you are as well. I haven't gotten a chance to own it like that, but it's it's a fine body. I used to run uh, Plantern for a little while when I had more Spike Weeds on it, and this is pretty similar to that. Yeah, this is this is pretty similar to Plantern in general. I've not seen Blockbuster take a big chunk out of Mixed Up Gravedigger either, but man, oh man, is that going to have to feel good. Yeah, and it also coincides with the cheaper cards like forget me nuts and galactic cactus and the the uh, superpower creatures as far as cheap fodder for taking it out on turn five because it's a root uh, right i'm pretty sure it, it, it sure as hell looks like one right yeah i might consider a uh, starch lord in here starch lord is i think very good at doing what this deck wants to do 
and not that tough beats really necessarily needs to be any better, but um, just having reasonable stats and drawing you a card, I think is something that, that could add some, I guess not that this deck really needs to be all that much more consistent given that it got you up to 49. Um, but I, Star's Lord is something that I like to put in decks like this. I have a Beta Caratina root deck. It looks a little different than this, but it shares a lot of the same cards. But that, like, if I was going to rebuild this, I would probably put Primitive Potato Mine in there instead of, mm. you know, a couple of the cheaper removal things. I used to run Hot Date for a little while, but I, I opted for the for the Pair Pal for a little more a little more offensive threat instead of defense, and also because set three came out, and I should put some set three cards in here. Right. Um, I'm honestly not in love with so magic beans. I think that if you're not doing, if you're not going all in on the bean thing, a two mana spell that doesn't affect the board is kind of a lot to do. And so I would be, I would much rather play a card like Hot Date or maybe even just more Spikeweed Sectors. Yeah, that those are both solid plans. Uh, the the magic beans are really the only source of drawing in this deck, so that's mostly why I keep them there. You know, I feel like I should have some method of gaining more cards in my hand other than relying on supers. But yeah, those could absolutely be, you know, two spike weeds or two hot dates or whatever, and I might still jumble around with those more, but I'm I've been really happy with with how this has turned out. Um I might need more environments because the meta seems to have shifted to a little more laser base alpha and such and medulla yeah. nebula is everywhere, so it might be prudent to put in some more environments just to pave over those. Yeah, I, I saw a similar deck to this on Reddit that was a little more control heavy, running things like soul patches and force fields and the only thing keeping mm. me from doing that is that I have zero force fields to my name. Yeah, I think force field is... I don't love force field. It's definitely that combo between force field and salt patch is really funny. But, you know, I think that if um, if Venus Flytrap Planet is too is too fragile and um, situational to be useful, I think that uh, force field is probably pretty much the same way. Spike Weed's also nice because it kills Pogo Bouncer. And, oh, yeah. You know, things like Electrician and Landscaper. There's, there's all sorts of, of two-mana creatures that... You know, either either it helps trade or it trades with them all on their own that, that make it real nice. Definitely. What about something like uh, like garlic? Once again, I think that has more of a home in a in a in a root deck. You know, like that would make sense with Starch Lord and, and things like that. I I like the one drops I have right now, and you know, between Forget Me Nut and Galacticactus and. BC superpowers. My early game is mostly taken care of. Yeah, I'm not gonna argue there. Garlic also seems like a. It belongs more in a Picanolith style deck, in my opinion, just for the way it's statted. That's reasonable. And I I did finally get one Picanolith from. I bought the Diamond Tier pack that gave you four guaranteed legendaries, and I got a Picanolith from that. I haven't messed around with it yet, but I might soon. Yeah, Picanolith is fun. But yeah, this. Uh, congratulations on getting all the way up to 49 in. In what has it been two weeks, three weeks since the ladder reset? Yeah, nine um, nine days. Yeah, that's that's bananas. And you know, I don't know how much more you play than me. It can't be that much more. And so you you must really have something that works here. Oh, I I have a a question for our listeners. Sometimes when I'm when I'm queued up against somebody, they will stall out and forfeit right when their mulligan phase is still going on. Mm. And I don't understand people who do that. Like, is it just a I mulliganed bad, so I'm going to quit? 
or like a like a disconnect thing that I've just been the beneficiary of way more than it's hurt me. Like I don't understand that. So if you're if you're one of the players who will mulligan and then not even stick around for turn one, let us know. Yeah, I, I personally I don't think I would admit to that myself if I were to rage quit in such a way. But if, if that's something that you do, uh, please let us know. Yeah, I've I've won a you know a decent share of games on ladder because they just decided I don't actually want to play and I don't know whether to credit that to bad mulliganing or you know problems with the android version or what oh sure yeah it could be like a connectivity thing um i mean i certainly i certainly won my fair share of games by playing a turn one click peek and having my opponent pack it in that's something <laughs> else but yeah all right well yeah. nice deck man congratulations on i'm sure being at ultimate rank by the next I, time i will record. also say that laddering has been a lot tougher since set three came out like i i think i was 47 when set three rolled and since then, I've been getting my ass kicked way more. So, you know, your, your mileage may vary a bit, but I've had a lot of fun playing this deck. All right, well, cool. All right, well, everybody, thank you for sticking with us with for our extra-long Set 3 debut show. We hope you had as much fun as we did, and, you know, Set 3 just came out, so we figured you guys want to hear more about your favorite card game as well as we want to talk about it. Yeah, send us, send us cards that you'd like us to talk about. We'll probably have some more random cards to talk about during the card of the week segment next time as well yeah you know we've been we've all been waiting for this for a long time and game is certainly quite different now we'd like to hear your opinions and what decks do you like what decks did you have before that aren't good anymore different things like that so yeah what's some crazy stuff that's happened to you with all these fun new cards exactly crazy game stories that sort of stuff we'd love to read those on the show so so let us know about that hell send us some deck recipes why not yeah i, I liked the, our little discussion about you know who builds the best sneaky conjuration deck and so you know if you have any other prompts like that throw them our way that's shroom for two podcast at gmail.com shroom for two podcast at gmail.com and as uh, we mentioned last time we're on itunes now if you want to subscribe to our rss feed you can do that find that in apple podcasts or whatever pod catcher you use but anyway uh we've got that podcast there if you've got any constructive criticism uh please email it to us rather than leaving us a, an angry review this has been a lot of fun and i hope you guys are here with us next time so until then i'm taylor and i'm mike